0: is we try to set up from day one, where if you miss a payment, nothing's gonna happen. Like we've set up the contract where it'll either self-fund itself or take a loan. Some companies call this like overloan protection or whatever, where you make sure that you don't just lapse your policy on accident. Like you have to purposefully say, I wanna lapse my policy. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. I'm in the studio with the one and only Dominic, and we're going to be talking about the and asset. We're going to be talking about lapse. We're going to be talking about what happens if you lapse a life insurance policy and what happens like if that happens and you want to reinstate it and some of the things for you to know. We're going to go high level, but then we're going to go into the nitty gritty. And this is important because a lot of people look at options, someone might be Paying on a life insurance policy, and they're like, "Why am I doing this?" And I just want to cash it out. And I just think this could be a really
1: good episode for people to understand the consequences. As you're here talking, I'm over here by myself, just like kind of laughing inside my head for a couple of reasons. Is one, you call me Dominic, and the only people in my entire life that do that is your dad, my mom, and dad. There you go. And then, and then two. You thought about saying my last name, but, then you, but then you didn't because you know you didn't want to mess it up again. which, That's right. which is perfectly fine. It's, it's roof um, ran, right? Yeah, oh dude, look, we're officially like brothers now. At this <laughs> point, you can say my last name.
0: I, I I prefer to be at your parents' level.
1: I I, I like that power, you know. So officially, from this day going forward, there's no more last name jokes with upon me. <laughs> All right, so good. Do it. Okay, perfect. So getting to the nitty gritty, talking about policy lapsing, and for people that don't know what lapsing is for a policy, it just essentially means you no longer have your policy, you surrender the cash value, and you and your insurance company, uh, the contract is essentially void, and you guys go separate ways. So the policy laps. you no longer have it. So on a...
0: Yeah, so at a high level, there's the owner insured, that's like the human being, you have a contract, which is the life insurance policy, the and asset, whatever fancy name you want to call it, it's a contract with a company, that contract is unilateral, but if you're not keeping up your end of the bargain, then the contract goes away and you get any benefits that the contract says you get and the company doesn't have the liability of paying a death benefit. So in other words, there's like there's a couple key areas that you can lapse a policy. You could just cash out a policy, right? And that would be a lapse of the contract. Or um, you could literally have a policy that has no cash in it and not be able to pay the premium. And then upon um, not having any options, it might lapse just out of there's no other option. Yeah.
1: Is there any other ways that a policy could lapse? If the uh, if the loan balance was higher than the cash value balance, right, and if you didn't okay. have the, the funds to essentially pay the loan balance down, the company will give you a, a certain amount of time to make that balance lower. And if you don't, then they'll lapse your policy.
0: If you pretty much are, are your loan balance is... 100 percent of the cash value and then there's a need for the policy to be funded somewhere and they can't get it from the policy, they would lapse the policy if there's nothing else.
1: Yeah. And that, and the only way that really happens is people are always max leveraging themselves consistently yep. and never paying the interest back, right? Yep. And that's an irresponsible way to have a policy anyways.
0: Yeah. So the way that we we coach is we never want someone to fully leverage their policy. It's just it's never a good idea. And majority majority of people at Better Wealth, if they do, if they get an and asset, they overfund, they utilize it you know, as a way to use their cash. A lot of times we have an emergency account within that. And what we like to see is at least one year, if not two years of premium in there. Uh, I know that sounds conservative, but we want to build a solid foundation where we're never flirting with the ability to lapse. But But overall, when you think about a lapse, it's not the end of the world I mean, there's some consequences to it and I want you to break it down, but it's not like you get a bill from the insurance company. In most cases, it's just you either get money or if if you overloan, you might not see anything, but at the end of the day, you're not writing a bill, but there could be some consequences if you've had the policy and there's gains to it. So you want to break that down?
1: Yeah. You might not get a bill from the insurance company, but you may get a bill from Mr. IRS himself, Mr. Uncle Sam, um, and you may not even have known that that was going to be an implication. So yep. it's, it's just super important that you know when we start a policy, the policy, the intention of the policy is to not lapse it, yeah, right? because we lose a lot of the beautiful benefits of it. And that's where you know, to be honest with you, you were talking about people over leverage it. Uh, that's where the infinite bankers that are huge advocates they can get into trouble because they're putting their entire expenses to the yep. T, all of it, their entire paycheck. They're trying to operate out of that, which means that they're using that for everything, which means that. You know, they can get into an instance yeah. where they're trying to use it within month one and they're essentially yep. you know playing with that boundary and flirting right away and if something happens they can't pay the interest etc you know things can happen
0: i, I want to make it very very clear yeah. that we do not condone putting all your money in paying groceries doing all these things it's it's it is not a good way to do business long term and for every uh, one person that it works for we've seen three or four people that it just it, it's something that people buy into and it ends up not working well. It's not that we don't believe in the concept of leveraging money and, and doing uh, that through life insurance. There's a lot of benefits to that, but I think majority of insurance carriers are not even pro that because um, it's just, it just there's a lot of problems with when some people say infinite banking, which I know a lot of great people that are doing infinite banking, by the way, but some people are teaching it the wrong way, and, and as a result, the
1: math just doesn't add up. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the uh... The negatives of if a policy lapses, yep. and some of the the downsides to it. So people use whole life insurance as a a place to store capital that they can get a, a better you know rate of return than their bank account, right? Yep. That's the quote unquote way that it's you know been sold, you know. And if that's the case, then it should operate better than your bank account. That's right. And so if I have a policy, let's say for five years, and it has not yet broken even, and yep. then I lapse my policy, right? It essentially did a way underperformed my bank account because my bank account is getting me 0.001% growth, right? And I still had all of my funds in there. I didn't lose anything. But if I fund my uh, and asset and I didn't break even and my policy lapses, well, then I essentially lost the difference between what I could have had in my bank account and what the actual growth was to at that point. What, What we pretty much say is
0: if you design a life insurance strategy, it should be able to operate with never lapsing. Like lapsing a policy is almost never a good idea. And what you're saying is if it's in the first five years and you lapse that policy, you would literally be better off putting your money in a checking account because at the end of the day, the life insurance piece, you you get that because of the long-term in, in, like internal value. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the benefits of being able to use your money before that without hurting the long-term group. Growth. So a lot of people look at life insurance and say, oh, this is horrible because in the first couple of years I don't have all the money that I put in. But then if you're like, well, you have access to utilize that money and you get all the benefits long term, they understand it. Unless you lapse your policy within the first five to seven years, you could maybe look at that and say, I am worse off because I put my money here than there. So I just want to make it very clear. Like, we always we we've never sold life insurance on a short-term benefit. And in fact, we've talked people out. Of putting money into these kind of contracts because it's just we can tell that they're they're not thinking long term.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's not a silver bullet, right? And you know, we kind of want the the silver bullet or microwavable thing right away because that's just how we are, you know, positioned and conditioned as a society. But the life insurance play, storing your money in it, is a long term play, and it's not any magical thing that's going to just be this wonderful thing within you know those first seven years. So that's that's the first downside. The second downside is kind of what we're talking about in regards to paying um a bill to the irs (laughs) potentially so you could say if you had it for more than seven
0: years dom and it's overfunded in the right way um you would actually have a profit meaning you you put in let's say to make it simple ten thousand dollars each year so for 10 years so you're in a hundred thousand dollars and your policy's at 130 and you lapse it and you're just like you know what i'm gonna cancel my policy so what happens then
1: yeah and it comes back to uh you know, how we are able to take distributions from a life insurance contract, right? There's two ways we can take a policy loan or we can take a withdrawal. And when you take a withdrawal, it's the same tax implications as if your policy were to lapse. Yep. so ultimately, that $100,000 up to your basis, so everything you contributed you don't have to worry about it's tax-free like you don't have to worry about paying taxes on that
0: and life insurance works that you can withdraw the first hundred thousand without without paying tax Mm -hmm. last in first out meaning that's that's amazing because i can there's strategies that you can withdraw your basis and then take a loan for the rest but after that hundred thousand is taken
1: out yep so after the hundred thousand is taken out the, the difference so the 30k so 130 minus 100 you have 30k that piece alone is what gets taxed. Yep. And that gets taxed as income. So whatever yep. bracket you're in at that time when you're taking at the funds is what you'll get taxed at. And that's
0: not ideal. And that's where you can compare it to if your money was in a money market or whatever, you're gonna, get, you're gonna have to pay tax as that income. I know that it's not that big of a deal because people aren't making any money in their savings account right now, but that's the reality. And so lapsing a policy is not a good idea. And I would highly recommend if you're, Thinking about lapsing a policy, or on the verge, or just not sure, talk to a professional. Whether it's us or someone that understands this stuff, because there's so many options. There's so many options to potentially ten thirty five that money, to potentially work with the company and lower the premiums, to just, I mean, there's so many ways. And almost, I I really have not seen a strategy or or reason. To lapse versus not do anything, and it's that's that's why I just want people to know that there are options and make sure you understand all those options before you're like, oh, I'm just going to cancel the policy without understanding that the consequences.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. There's one thing that I want to talk about in regards to the fine print of something that you know you would never really know unless you went through this personally, um, and I feel like there's a lot of agents who may not know this as well It's something that I relatively just learned uh, myself um, is that. When a policy gets to its anniversary date, you have to pay your premium on that date. There's a 30 day grace period typically, depends on the company, that you have the ability to pay your premium. After that 30 day, your policy theoretically becomes lapsed. At that mm-hmm. point, you no longer have the policy. But there is a window where you can reinstate the policy. So realistically, you know, I've heard where you can actually reinstate the policy like up to like five years or, you know, something massive. But what you'd have to do is you'd have to pay all of your premiums back to reinstate that to catch it up. But if you reinstate your policy 90 days after that grace period, it becomes a MEC, a modified endowment. So
0: after 90 days. After 90 yep. days.
1: So that's essentially from your anniversary date, you essentially four months uh, mm. before it becomes a MEC. And, right, so for a MEC, it's essentially is the same thing that we discussed when it comes to the tax implications is you now don't get any of the tax benefits that life insurance comes with. And you now have to pay um, dollars on the growth of your policy
0: in in a MEC contract. You still get your your death benefit gets passed on income tax free, so that can be that can be advantageous. But to utilize the cash value, you have to pay tax on the anything above basis or what you put in, and you can't do that at the end. It's it's actually you pay tax. MECing a contract again is not necessarily bad, but it's but it might not be as good if you especially signed up for something that you understood if it. It worked out; it'd be tax-free, and now you're now you're creating something that's not tax-free, uh, which could be problematic. I also want to note that there's a lot of companies that you can figure out a way to al- almost utilize the cash value to take loans for the at least the base. So a lot of times, the way that we set up these policies when we're working with someone is we try to set up from day one where if you miss a payment, it's not nothing; nothing's going to happen. Like we've set up the contract where it'll either self fund itself or take a loan, some, some, some companies call this like overloan protection or whatever, where it, you make sure that you don't just lapse your policy on accident, like you have to purposefully say, I want to lapse my policy. And I don't know if you want to touch on that. But I don't want you to freak out and say like, this is super easy to do, you'll get letters, your agent should be able to let you know, and some cases, you can set it up from day one where you avoid lapsing your policy on accident.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think as, as long as we are having communication with the client or you're having communication with your agent in regards to what's happening on a consistent basis, annual review, et cetera, stuff like that should easily be maintainable. Um, and we can come up with creative strategies to keep the policy in force. And like you said specifically, all right, we have the base, which is the minimum amount, and then the, the PUA, the overfunded piece is the maximum. You can always pay the minimum amount if need to to keep the policy enforced force from year to year, and then you have the ability to catch up the following year if you want to overfund it
0: again. Yeah, and here's what I would say: is really understand the internal value that life insurance brings long term. If you don't understand how the death benefit plays a role in your assets and, and estate, if if you don't understand how the cash value works, if you don't understand this thing called controlled compounding and giving your dollars more than one job if you don't understand potentially volume of savings versus potentially rate of return and the collateralization, it becomes like, why am I doing this again? If you understand the long-term effects and benefits of life insurance, and you understand properly how to use life insurance in the short term, it becomes a, an amazing and asset. Like it, it is incredible. And we've also been just very turned away, I would say, of some of the people that are selling it. And we're like, man, this is so good why are you why are you talking the way that you're talking about when it comes to something and so it's just something that we're we're really sensitive to and we're going to be coming out with more content i really appreciate dom the way that you think and just going into the weeds and um hopefully this answered all your questions about laps if there's anything that we can do as a company please let us know we're, we're very excited um about this thing called the and asset vault which below you can uh check out and it's essentially this it's a, a place where you can check out everything you need to know about the and asset like any question that you have, case studies, frequently asked questions, we have our and asset calculator, we're building this whole thing. And and depending on when this airs, it's either going to be coming very soon, or it's going to be totally live and depending on when you're watching this. Um, and so I want you to know if you have any questions or curious at all about the and asset, go go on to the and asset vault, it's 100% free, and it will answer every question and give you the ability to talk to somebody to help you set up an and asset if that's something that would benefit you.